Welcome to the ABC of Ita. Welcome to the ABC of Ita, a show talking about all important issues of our times. Of our times and of previous times. What are the previous times? From the past. Okay. When things were easier. Easy. A word starting from E. Europe. Another word starting from E. Eurydice. Another person with a name starting from E. And many other things today. Everything that starts from E is of relevance to today's show because each show we do is devoted in one letter of the English alphabet. English. Another word from E. England. Europe. E. E? Such a stupid letter. E. Europe 2018 Welcome to Europe How are you? I'm very well, thank you How are you? All men become brothers when your tender wing lingers. Welcome to Europe. So what is Fita after all and what is this show? Not sure. This uh, song does not start from a band with an E. Really? Yeah, it's Beethoven. Oh, starts no. with a B. So what has happened here? An accident? Yes. Should we listen to an Italian band called Eurotunes instead? That sounds like a good idea. More appropriate for our show. Okay, in that case, let's do that. Satisfaction. 
Happiness, happiness, how the breeze Make it a count and never cool We work in progress for European action We listen DJs to propaganda When you saw happiness, how the breeze Make it count and never cool We work in progress for European action We listen DJs to propaganda They show the truth, cowboy faces we wise And if you know that what's the truth, shake the TV and shake the move How's the TV they show the truth, cowboy faces we wise And if you know that what's the truth, shake the TV and shake the move So a lot of songs uh, that have to do with uh, Europe and a lot of themes that have to do with Europe today. I think... Well, it makes sense. Doesn't it? <clears throat> and actually, this the this show started in a rather experimental way, wouldn't you say that? Today? Yeah. Or generally as a show? No, this particular one, with, starting with E, was a... It was on purpose. Experimental. Yeah. Was it because it's experimental? That's what I thought. Where do you stand uh, in terms of experimental? <clears throat> you know, as with all experiments, there are good chances you will get up, but we will get shitty results. So you you want to take the risk, go for the experiment, and then wait. Our first uh, keyword today is something very important for me, you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what what is it? It's can you can you guess by the sound? Can you make some sound? Can you guess? Can you use the the black thing? It's something liquid. Yes. It's liquid and it's... Um, In plastic. It's, uh, and it says El Greco. Yes, it does. It is brown. What is it called then? It's Espresso Freddo. Okay, what is espresso freddo? I don't drink coffee, as you know. I know, yeah. So I don't know nothing about any, anything about coffee. It's a very interesting case, actually. Espresso freddo. Do you know frappe? I know frappe. Yeah. You remember how important it was for the Greek identity? Mm-hmm. 
yes, especially for well, actually no, I was about I was going to say for a particular uh, for a particular side of the uh, political spectrum, but could, no. you could probably say that it's one the, the one thing that unites all, Every all of the Greeks. It used to at least. Mm-hmm. So what's the story of frappe? It's like so Greeks traditionally drink Greek coffee or how it's like in different places called Turkish coffee and so on, Bulgarian coffee and so on. But then in the 80s, Nescafe comes in Greece mm-hmm. uh, selling uh, instant coffee. And one of the representatives of the company, he wants to make some Nescafe, mm-hmm. but he runs out of, uh, he doesn't have uh, access to hot water. So in order to make the frappe, he mixes ice cubes mm-hmm. with, uh, with Nescafe powder. And he shakes it. And mm-hmm. then it becomes this really foamy, really, really creamy kind of um, drink that Nescafe, the company, didn't know that was possible to make it. You mean they never actually shook the material itself? With ice. No, they never did. Um, so this becomes like a Greek invention. This is really particular, trashy, instant cold coffee. That somehow, because Greece is a hot place with lots of sun, people drink in the summers because it's like refreshing and full of caffeine and very easy to make uh, even if you don't have electricity so it's a coffee you make without any means so this becomes very popular for like 20-30 years but then at some point Greeks start realizing because of you know Erasmus programs and other like uh, European exchanges of uh, culture Uh uh, Greeks start realizing that um, you know the idea of like shaking instant coffee is really trashy like the other Europeans are like looking are frown Erasmus is a topic we're not going to discuss today no although it's quite a large topic Mm -hmm. Um, so then the new Greek invention comes into being Espresso Fredo daughter of Elysium it's interesting that he has an Italian name but it's not made in Italy. No, no, no. Do they drink it in Italy? Very rarely. Why? Because they like their espresso hot. They think it's an abomination to make... Cold espresso. Cold espresso. So what is really the... It's basically frappe. Espresso then through is the some kind European of... European Union, f- like, kind of... Um, it's an ima- imagination, frame. a sort of... Uh, cultural mishmash one yes, might say yeah? like a mistranslation of concepts but it's delicious is it I love it it's really nice refreshing very strong so much caffeine it makes me makes my teeth wanna fly out of my mouth which is a good thing um, reminds me I'm alive so you are capable of you are pro doing things mixing things up I am and uh, finishing this segment on Espresso Fredo, I would like to say that now Starbucks is selling Espresso Fredo, but they don't acknowledge the Greek origins of the drink. Do they present it as Italian? They present it as coming out of a vacuum of time and space, as if they invented it or something. Uh-huh. So you think that we should do a petition for Espresso Fredo. There is already a petition, actually. Patenting the Greek origin of Espresso Fredo. Yes. 
And as we know, most things are of a Greek origin. Well, I don't want to say it. What about Australia? Let's go into a song from an Australian band called Equal Local. They like coffee in Australia? And they have Greeks. So, yes, what do you think of the show so far? I think what's the problem of the show is us, Fita. Yeah, but should we discuss that next, in the next, after two weeks when yeah. we, we have the F show? But I can, I can pinpoint to a specific problem that we have that, uh-huh. is, that starts from E. Which is? We constantly try being edgy. Edgy. Mm-hmm. 
<sighs> That's a real problem. It is a real problem. It has to do with the Gemini kind of um, attitude we have. You think we're always easily bored? Yeah, very easily bored. So we're always trying to find a new frontier, like, you know, bring forward a new kind of form or a new idea. Yeah, but surely we know that uh, anything that has to do with form is old-fashioned in a way. So we try to make like meta comments and okay, and and uh, inevitably fall into the trap pre- of being edgy. Y- yes. So you think we are the same as Vice, for example? Well, Vice nowadays is different. It's less they edgy. Do these documentaries about yeah. you know, Guatemalan gender fluids, coal miners. True. And, and isn't that edgy? True. But they do it in a very kind of scholarly way. What is edgy? What is edgy? You tell me. You know better about the term. Should we use the quote that I first heard in my life from Daria cartoon? Yes, please. I think it's very appropriate. As far as I can make out, edgy occurs when middle-brow, middle-age profiteers are looking to suck the energy, not to mention spending money, out of the quote-unquote youth culture. So they come up with this fake concept of seeming to be dangerous when every move they make is the result of market research and a corporate master plan. I mean, obviously, she has a very political kind of... Yeah. Um, I think we, we... I mean, that's from the 90s. So right, okay, right. It's, it's a little bit like Ad Busters, like dated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. not really also, in it's a not way. not really, because nowadays, especially, um, kind of corporate capitalism is really trying hard on being, like, edgy and... But of. is it really? I mean, I th- I think that it stopped trying that for a while after, uh, you know, after maybe mid zeros or something like this. I think it's it's now returned to a kind of like the super spectacle again. It's true because I guess they were like all because kinds it was of in weird. the nineties yeah, that the kind 90s. of uh, you know adverts that were edgy. You know, like so the on. the OK Cola, this product from Coca Cola. It's like uh, was marketed as okay, just to be edgy. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was not great. It was just okay. And of course, uh, a lot of products in the ni- in the 90s tried to have like um, unexpected adverts and so on. Right. Which, which of course, you know, anything that you do in this kind of you're a big institution and you try to appear mm. dangerous, as 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 Daria says, mm. is very cringeworthy. It's very cringy. I guess. Capitalism it's a bit like it's a bit like um, yeah. Maybe capitalism, like you know, proper capitalism, is not interested in edginess in that sense. But cultural institutions, they do it li- like all the time nowadays. I guess like edgy stedgy, uh, Onassis uh, cultural, cultural center. center is a is a typical example of edgy. Here in Athens. Here in Athens. It's like um, what we call edgy stedgy, the edgy like stedgy phenomenon. For the international audience, that's like a 90s version like of Barbican? Yeah, it's like uh, the Onassis Cultural Center is basically where you get a lot of art that has to do with uh, science and technology mm. and, uh, you know, sort of like mo- modernism, but with a bit of a melancholy and, uh, mm. you know, uh, minimalist existential theater and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So kind of, you know, a kind of 90s Barbican mm-hmm. vibe. Uh, like a little bit um, later than that. Yes. So it's, um, it's a little because bit... Because uh, it comes from ship owners' money, so it yeah. has to... Like they, yeah, because they, they, yeah, they, they, they own a lot of ship, you know, a lot of boats and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the productions have to be good for, mm. you know, for mm. people who have boats. Yes. Um, but at the same time, they have to appeal to uh, a kind of young... Uh, hip audience. Hi- hip audience. And the result is, um, yeah, 
kind of existential minimalist theater with cables. Exactly. Um, but Athens is like now. Athens is a bit there at the moment. It's yeah. a bit edgy stagey. As the, uh, the edgy stage of Athens trying to be the new Berlin because Berlin was supposedly edgy at the time. Mm-hmm. That was relevant. Mm-hmm. So now Athens, in order to be the new Berlin, needs to be edgy. But the problem is that Athens was kind of edgy in many different ways um, before it became the new Berlin. But of course, you know what? I'm going to stop you here. Yes. I'm going to stop you here. Why? I'm going to stop you here because I'm going to ask you, okay, and if we don't want edgy, what Mm. is the alternative? Because could the alternative be normcore? And then we are kind of double in a mess in a Mm. way. Um, That was the case in many instances of cultural production, I guess, the past 10 years where people abandoned edgy because it was synonymous of like being a dickhead. Yeah. But normcore isn't really the the, the solution. It is the final solution. Right. Okay. Let's move into a song. What song? I don't remember the name of the band actually. Right. Really? Yeah. It is it starts for me, I presume. It's yeah, electric something. Um, right. It's very cute. Listen. Okay. Smoke as many cigarettes as you can. Did you like that? Very nice. Very good advice. We have uh, health advice. Maybe in the future we should have like health advice line. What do you think about that? I would love to do it. I think I would be really good at this. At the health advice uh, line. Yes. Okay. And now... Mm Oh no, that was really early. Are you ready for Philosopher of the Week? I am ready. And who is the Philosopher of the Week? It was a really difficult week. Why? To, in, in the context of trying to find the, the Philosopher of the Week. Uh-huh. <coughs> Why? Because there are many Philosophers of the Week. Uh, no, because the Philosophers with names starting e. from E. E. Starting from? E. 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 They were not particularly exciting to me. <coughs> but I had to. Cho- I chose two. Um, my first pick was Mercedes Eliade. 
who is like this anthropologist writing about psychedelics like this but it wasn't really a philosophical kind of decision and so then I went uh, and picked Bracha Edinger Bracha Edinger she's Israeli She's a fine artist, a photographer, psychoanalyst, and philosopher. Okay. So, as with everyone who does lots of different things, mm-hmm. she's not amazing. No? She's actually uh, she's a good philosopher, but she's I didn't I didn't quite like her paintings. But okay, that's irrelevant because this segment is philosopher of the week, and and also it's a radio show, so we cannot really show paintings. Yeah, good point. Um, so Edinger, she introduces this concept called the matrixial. The title of the book. Wait for it. Metamorphic border links and matrixial border spaces. Very easy. <laughs> I should start with some gossip about here because maybe you should end with some gossip gossip about her. No. You want to start with a gossip. Yes. Okay, go on. But can you make it quick? Because every time there is philosopher of the week, yes, it's like a it drags on. Really? Yeah. But it's not like the show so far is so greatly paced. So let me do what I want to do. What you do best. Which is gossiping about post-structuralist feminist philosophers. Exactly. So Bracha, in this book, uh, she has an introduction by Judith Butler. And Judith Butler is ecstatic about her work. Uh-huh. And I'm really suspicious. Why? Because Judith Butler, a very similar argument by Julia Kristeva about the semiotic, that mm. is the, the maternal space of communication between the infant and the maternal body, mm-hmm. she was uh, accusing it as a essentialist. Okay. And then Braha comes with a ver- from a very, very similar perspective, like Lacanian like psychoanalysis, and she talks about the matrixial, which is basically the womb, okay. like the pre-life. Um, womb. The womb. womb. Yes, that one. Um, um, as a field of uh, some sort of signification that disrupts the symbolic order. Very similar argument to Kristeva's, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I'm not being anti-Semitic here. Okay. And Judith Butler is praising that and calling Kristeva um, essentialist. Why is that? Why is that? Because she has an affair with Bracha. Espresso. But apart from the gossip, do you have something else to tell us? Yeah. The matrix shell. I can talk about the matrix shell. It's so fucking difficult. <laughs> I, I was reading the book like... I want you to summarize it in two sentences, honestly, because I don't think our audience has time for this. Okay. So, um, if 
like the, the matrixial basically is this uh, mythical space where we existed before we entered language, right? Right. And uh, before we entered if any kind of sensorial world anyway. Um, so how can we access this? We cannot, Praha says. And she uses the, the metaphor of Eurydice. Okay. Eurydice. So in the f- infamous myth, Orpheus goes back to the underworld to bring Eurydice back. Mm-hmm. And one second before he, they are outside and free to live their love, he turns to see her and she disappears. And for Braha, this is a very good example, very good like um, metaphor uh, for talking about this early childhood. We know it's there and we desperately want to bring it in the light so we can kind of uh, inspect its inner life. But every time we try to, to do it, we make the same mistake. We look at it and it disappears. Okay. This is the... I tried the two sentences were not quite two sentences. But I tried to make it very compact. The womb? Where does the womb come? What do you want from me? I'm trying very hard to summarize this argument. I want you to make sense. It's not my fault that uh, post-structuralism is uh, very difficult to read in two days. Why did you choose this philosopher if you didn't understand her work? Is it because you think that you can understand anything from this world? Yes. I'm really sorry. But I think what's interesting about her work is clinically, I think, if I understood correctly, she says that the whole project of psychoanalysis is oriented towards uh, making peace with the violence of the father interrupting the relationship with the mother. And she says that actually we should also work to somehow improve our relationship with our mothers who we unconsciously hate for letting us out of the matrixial order. Eh? Thank you. Thank you too. And we move into an Austrian band called the Erstes Wiener Heimorgelorchester which means the first Viennese home organ orchestra. They're, they have done a whole cover of The Man Machine by Kraftwerk. Great. And we're going to listen to a home version and a post-utopia version of the model. Beautiful. Bye-bye, modernism.
this show I play a lot of uh, music from Germany. You've noticed that. I've noticed. Is this you, you on know, purpose? I, 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 on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I like, I like, you know, I like this DIY aesthetics thing. And I do. You know, my, in my opinion, the early 80s in Germany was like the best for this kind of music. Mm-hmm. Now, one band that um, I was considering playing today, because the show is an e-show, but which I categorically decided to leave out, is Mm -hmm. Einsturz and Neubauten. You left them out. I left this band out. Now, why have I left They're quite an iconic E. They're quite an iconic E, and I've left them purposefully out. And why Mm. have I left them out? So we will discuss about them instead of listening to them. I think we should do that. I think we should do that because in the context of Greece, they are more of a cultural institution rather than really a band. (laughs) They are more, or or even I would would call it, they're more of an attitude rather rather than a band. (laughs) So how did that all start? First of all, Obviously, they come from a from a background. Many people know that they come from a from a background mm-hmm. uh, where there were a lo- lots of other bands or art projects around them, uh, like the Tödliche Doris or uh, Malaria or whatever else was happening in Berlin in the early eighties. And uh, but but the Greeks somehow missed all that. Mm-hmm. I think the fault here was Nick Cave. Greeks really like Australian mediocre country western music. Mm. So they really uh, you're really harsh on Nick Cave. I'm really harsh on Nick Cave. <laughs> and so the Greeks really like this and so they like Einstein Neubauten as a kind of parallel effect of that. Mm. Now H- how we, is it related? If I'm re- lost, I'm lost. Uh, well, because he used to play Blixa Barger used to play in The Bad Seeds. Oh right. Yeah, you're not exactly this kind of alternative musophile, so you don't know these things. But there is a direct link uh, and mute records and so on. So there is an overlap between Nick Cave and uh, Einstein. Absolutely, and Nick okay. Cave went, to, you know, lived in Berlin. So, so the Greeks like Nick Cave. So, so? The, so the Greeks only really like Einstein and Neubauten because it's like, oh, it's so cool that they make these noises and uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so it's this kind of attitude. It has nothing to do with experimentation and so on. Yes. So uh, it's not the fault of the band. <laughs> I'm going to pause you here because yes. I actually think that the band sort of became that. All right. Uh, I think from 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 people who probably had some kind of so two, emotional involvement. Two years vacation in Greece. Two years vacation in Greece, and they became much like yeah. hooligan. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the people who like um, the people who like Einstein and Neubauten, um, very difficult people. You don't understand what I'm talking. Everyone likes them here. What are you talking about? If they they have like here here they they have like three day uh, three day festivals, and in Berlin you would see them play for free. I mean, okay, not like what this. are you talking about? <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, no one really cares that much. And in and in Greece they really it's it's a bit like not like Madonna, but it's a bit like this kind of sort of like popularity. And I never understood it because I don't think they're particularly good. Um, I think they run re- really long. They've mm. done this thing that they're doing for very long. This is rare. It's rare and it's usually bad for bands to do that. Also Scorpions do that. Also Scorpions do that. Another band from Germany that I feel sort of similarly <laughs> to Einstein and Neubauten. Um, 
and they've run really long and they are very successful in Greece. You're very harsh. I'm very harsh. Um, What's your problem? My problem is I'm telling you that they are connected with this kind of manly experimental music mm. thing. Mm. Not only they're connected, but I would go as far as to say that they are amongst the architects of the macho mm. experimental music thing. Now, this might be harsh in terms of the people themselves. I don't think they actually mm. want to support None of them this. is um, gay. Oh, I don't know that, actually. Mm. But because they're very attractive. Yeah, but they, in in this kind of straight, you would prefer them to be gay way, right? Right. I don't know. I don't. I don't actually. I don't know. This is important information. I, I know. I, was, I did I all know. this research on Braha to find that she was dating Look, I, Judith I, Butler. I, you're right. I know a lot of things about other bands um, from the same time, <laughs> uh, in, including their sexuality and so right. on. I don't know so much about the sexuality of this band. Okay. Uh, to me, whether they are actually homosexuals or not is is secondary. Because, because they're think, politically straight. I think they're politically straight, yes. And I think their imprint in Greece is almost wife-bashing territory. <laughs> so... With like... Uh, yeah, with like the noises of drills in the background. <laughs> industrial. Industrial. Industrial instruments. machismo. Look... Let's let's like rewind a little bit. For, yes, please. Because, because our you know maybe our, we would uh, alienate a little bit our German audience. We have a German audience. We have a German audience, and maybe we would alienate it completely now. With oh, what did you, we didn't make it like Nazi jokes and stuff. We didn't make Nazi jokes, but you know, Institut Sendenoibaton are important. And is it similar to the Third Reich in terms of like no go areas? Uh, no, I would say I would say people can talk about them, but uh, I would say that people would be probably upset that we would do something like this, okay? Because they, you know, they, they're, they're you know, they're nice people. People say they're nice people. So we're Nazis, Phil. We are, let's say, not nice people. We are like difficult people. I'm very difficult. It's because I have um, irritable bowel syndrome. It's really difficult living with irritable bowel syndrome. There are things you can eat. And then, at some other day, you cannot eat them. But this is not the fault of Einstein and Oh, come on, you know it is. You know it is. But you know what? I want you to know that mm -hmm. I really like German music. We've played a lot of German and music And I like gen German men. You, you, know, you like them. I really value tall, tallness. They're extremely tall. I really like that. When was the last time you were in Berlin? It's been a while because you moved away, so I have very little reasons to visit this uh, terrible place. But it's it's got very tall people, and I thought you would like that. Well, there are tall people in Amsterdam too. It's not that I'm going to the Netherlands anytime soon. I'm going to play now my one of my favorite bands from Hamburg, right? Called Die Egozentrischen Zwei, and they are. You know why? Apart from the fact that they have a fantastic sound, yeah, they are one of the few or maybe the only case in music history that we have an experiment a consciously synth experimental band consisting only not not band but like a whole scene mm -hmm. consisting only of teenagers in the outskirts uh, of Hamburg that's very very beautiful I like scene. Hamburg actually uh, why because of the work ethic <laughs> it's a beautiful city you've never been there. I've never been there <laughs>
gut hin. Vielleicht nach Berlin oder nach Moskau. Bundesbahn schließt Du denkst, das ist ja geil. Doch was steht da am Fahrkartenautomaten? Kinder ab 12, 270. Wie das wohl in 20 Jahren sein wird. Plötzlich reicht es dir. Du trinkst dir einen ab. Steigst dann in die Bahn und steckst sie an. Und es war Dabei hast du dich doch vor einer Woche noch überrauschgeschwert. Bundesbahnfahren, Wir wollen alle Bundesbahnfahren. Wir wollen alle Wo willst du hin? Vielleicht nach Berlin oder nach Moskau. Bundesbahn steht zu Diensten. Du denkst, das ist ja geil. Doch was steht da? Fahrkartenautomate. Kinder ab 12, 72. Wie das wohl in 20 Jahren sein wird. Plötzlich reicht es dir. Du trinkst dir einen an. Steigst in die Bahn und steckst sie an. Bundesbahnfahren, Bundesbahnfahren. We're back. We're here at the Beton 7 Art Radio. This is the ABC of Fita. We are Fita. And we are presenting shows. Every week a different show on a different letter of the English alphabet. Today we are discussing E. Words starting from E. Bands starting from E. Philosophers tried starting from E. Everything starting from E. And the next concept is ears. There. You know, I had a, a real problem with my ear of hearing. a and few years ago. Balance. I had what is called labyrinthitis. In mammals' ear is usually described labyrinthitis as three parts. Is a the disorder ear. of the ear, which is middle ear, really terrible, and the inner ear extremely terrible. You are always dizzy. Consists of a pin So when I uh, and the ear canal went to the doctor, 
This and I said, look, I am always dizzy. It's the only visible portion of the My ears are In most in animals, pain. the word ear he said, often refers that to external part alone. What we have to do is we have to retrain your ears so that they don't misalign with the eyes. In the bony labyrinth. This is what causes a nausea. And this is your problem. Three times already I almost fainted while I was working. It was a really difficult time. The ear develops from the first pharyngeal It was a very difficult time. Small and so swellings that I develop in the early embryo called went to the doctor every two weeks. Ectoderm, and they gave me these special exercises. Here, maybe affected by disease. For a very long time, it was very difficult for damage. me to walk straight. Because there was a problem with the inner labyrinth. Lead to hearing For a very long time I had to have exercises back and forth. They placed my body on a very bizarre medical is the organ of hearing and in mammals balance machine the ear is the organ of hearing and in mammals A- and the machine mumbles mumbled me around balanced for hours mumbles. until i could can you hear me align can you hear ears me? can you hear me and eyes took three months for me there is the organ of hearing to not have nausea any longer has been adorned by earrings but finally I was cured some people say that in hindsight Vincent van Gogh suffered from labyrinthitis the same inner ear infection as me and this is what Outer. made all his paintings so Ear. swirly. Ear. Lauter Lolly Laumann Lutscher Lümmel lassen laute Lieder los. Alle Welle ist zur Stelle und in Hagen waren die Wellen immer groß. Lauter Lolli Laumann, Lutscher Lümmel, lassen laute Lieder los. Neue Welle, neue Pelle, mit Verpackung macht man auf die schnelle Moos.
Schulter breiter Falken bis er glüht. Weil sie merken, dass ihr Werken in einer neuen Welle nicht mehr zieht. special time to say hello to our friends from Radio X from Frankfurt. Really? Because we... It's that time of the day. It is that time of the day. We This uh, show is half of this show. is part of the World Radio Day 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, an exchange between Radio X and um, Beton 7 Art Radio. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, At this point, we would like to say goodbye to our German friends who are no longer with us for the rest of the show. If they want to listen more of the ABC of Fita, they, they can, can actually Google ABC of Fita. We are everywhere also in... Uh, on iTunes? In SoundCloud, which is a, a German project. Very buggy. Really buggy. How is that possible that Germans did such a buggy website? I don't know, but I've met... Do the they have Italian developers? I've met... Probably, I've met. Uh, well, I mean, I've met some, and they were f- like Australians and stuff. Oh, I've met. I, because I, 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 the Nick Cave effect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, last song for uh, the first uh, half of our show and uh, the ending of our German show, which is uh, from a German outsider artist from the early '80s called mm-hmm. Eisenhower, and the song is called Insekten. Beautiful. Thank <laughs> you. 
We're back. Now the Germans are not listening anymore. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about naughty things. We didn't tell our audience that the first half of today's show was uh, um, an exchange with a mm-hmm. German uh, radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first half. Mm-hmm. We gave them our bit. Um, it was reasonably naughty. Was it? Reasonably. I mean... It wouldn't be of particularly clever attitude or good to taste to, to, to talk about Nazism and stuff like that. I think we actually, I did a little bit. You did a little bit, but you know, you kind of like made a joke about right. not doing it in a way, so it should be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the European part was quite quite good, appropriate. Quite appropriate. I'm, I'm happy with that first half. I'm very show. happy with that too. And a new concept. A new day. A new hour. A new Europe. It's the second half of the show. Second half of the ABC of Ita. E episode. E. Epsilon. Epsilon like the ancient Greeks would say. Mm-hmm. E. 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 What is so special you know, about I w- E? I want to talk you I want to talk about a very important topic now. Do you? Yes. A very important very important in my life. Very important in many people's lives. What is it? The evil eye. The evil eye. Do you know what the evil eye is? No. It's a cultural phenomenon. The evil eye is the belief that people can harm you by looking at you and putting some negative energy in you, in your head, in your heart, in your soul, the evil eye. Yeah, we need some mystical music to accompany this part of the show. So the evil eye is a phenomenon that occurs in many, many different cultures across the globe, Uh from Greece, to India, to South Africa, to Native Americans. It's quite a global phenomenon, which makes you think, if all these different cultures believe in it, it might be true. So, let me give you an example of the evil eye. I'm buying a new coat, a beautiful uh, coat. Uh-huh. People people look at me and they are jealous because it's beautiful and expensive and they know that I'm you know successful successful and sexy and pretty and beautiful so they think oh I want this success fucking idiot has this nice coat so then as I'm walking happy with my new coat I have a terrible headache And on top of that, a seagull 
sheets all over my new coat. For the next few days, I'm sick. What happened there? Isn't it quite obvious what happened? The evil eye. And sometimes, in the Greek case of the evil eye, some people don't even want to hurt you. For example, I wear this, like already described, nice coat, and I I see my mother, and she's like, oh my god, that's such a beautiful coat. I'm so happy for you, my son, for wearing that. And uh, as we know, Greek mothers, what they want for their children to destroy them. Okay, I was gonna say the best. (laughs) So then the mother, unknowingly, she is basically cursing you with the evil eye. Over the years, I've met lots of people who don't believe in astrology, don't believe in new age things, don't believe in yoga, don't believe in anything. But the evil eye, they believe. Because, if you've experienced it, you know it's true. Can the evil eye be a form of superpowers of the human beings to transmit, for example, negative energy onto another body? We've had various cases in history in which we cannot exactly explain what goes on between human bodies. Could that be a similar case? Could it be a folk outsider uh, art interpretation Uh, of... Outsider science. Outsider science interpretation of difficult phenomena. Phenomena that occur outside of what we have perceived as the brain ability so far in Western science. I have some psychoanalytic interpretations of the evil eye phenomenon. I think it largely has to do with um, the mystical element of uh, the act of seeing. So when we see, as, as, as subjects, as human beings, we can never see the eye, our eyes. We can never perceive where, where does the seeing emanate from. Uh-huh. So that makes the act of seeing a mystical experience. Uh-huh. So we invest in the act of seeing. Like we, we believe it has a lot of power. And it does in a, in a way. Like seeing, for those of us who can see, is a quite a defining experience. Um, because the visual is so much important, especially in uh, most cultures, modern cultures. Um, so in a, in a way, the, the thing becomes like a superpower in itself. Um, so we assume that other people's ability to see is not just the ability to look and perceive us, but also somehow to affect us. There is some kind of um, violence in seeing. And we have all these theories of like the male gaze, you know, um, or like um, the Althusserian kind of... Um, interpolation, all these theories that have to do with this power of the other subject Mm -hmm. to affect us without like actually touching us. Uh, Has there been, uh, to your knowledge, uh, psychoanalytical analysis of the evil eye so far? Actually, there was. uh, Some like uh, 60s and 50s anthropologists 
who went to cultures that had like uh, put a lot of uh, kind of um, they, they they really believed in the evil eye, including the Greeks. So the anthropologists at the time they were very much into psychoanalysis and Freud. So they tried to make interpretations. But you know the modern anthropologists they don't they don't like this analysis because they think uh, uh, they make too much sense of the world. You know how modern anthropology is self-reflective and diffusive of all meaning. So the evil eye they don't care. They only care about the subjectivity of the anthropologist nowadays. That's What? the most important anthropological topic. Like the positionality of the anthropologist. That's the only thing you can actually discuss. And where is the evil eye in terms of that? Malaka, it's... I don't know, it's... They are the evil eye. Anthropology is the evil eye of our times. We didn't discuss uh, the process of uh, removing the evil eye. But let's leave it. Xematiasma, as we say in Greek. The eyeing process. <laughs> Should we leave the DIing process for another occasion? Another show? Because I felt that you've, you've... I'm almost like I have a serene kind of feeling now. Because uh, we're, we're listening to this uh, evil eye, tantric uh, mm. removal thing on the background. So, in a way, we covered that aspect. Yeah, because... Another word mm -hmm. starting with an E, you know, is experience, mm. experiential. And many people say that Fita is a very cynical project, but... Is it? They are fools. They are fools. We believe it with our own bodies, flesh and blood. And ev shit. Every second week, we are here. We're giving our voices, we're giving our bodies... For a full experience. And for what? For nothing. Because the artist... What is the artist nowadays? Nothing. The victim. The oh. victim of society. Yes.
song by Brian Eno and David Byrne that features a live exorcism. Um, mm. And of course, exorcism is uh, a, a form. form of DIing uh, ritual. <laughs> DIing, I don't think it's a valid term. Um, what would you, I mean, maybe it's my term, but what would you call it? The removal of the evil eye? It's really difficult. DIing. DIing. I, I mean, I, it's, it's difficult because it would have, it's it's a lot of uh, vowels. <laughs> yes. DIing. It's almost like a Finnish word. <laughs> right. Um, 
So yeah, um, let's move into something similar. Similar? Thematically. I wanted to ask you, I mean, you know, you said that uh, the people that um, use the evil eye... Uh, they kind of do it involuntarily in a way you said like mm-hmm. your mother says it's a nice coat and passes the and evil then eye you to die you. then you die um, it was like the last coat you wore and so on and she thinks about it yeah and holds it precious but does isn't the evil eye also to do with enemies to an extent I mean yes is it really I mean okay yes friends can do it but isn't it mostly enemies that do it to be honest I think so too so the evil eye is mostly consciously subconsciously given so I mean mm-hmm. do you understand what I no mean? I wanted to be in my analysis of the phenomenon I want to be inclusive mm-hmm. and say oh it's not always your fault but Sometimes it happens. Uh, okay. But let's move a little bit into another E wor- word, which is enemies. Mm. And uh, we want to talk about enemies a little bit. Let's talk about enemies. Um, or do we want to talk about uh, the term that we invented, which is enemy art? Mm. It was really central in our work as a fine art duo mm-hmm. when we started. We said we want to do enemy art. But w- I don't quite remember how was how was it defined. What um, what enemy art meant? Yes, I can uh, you know I can look it up because we as Fita we've created as you know mm-hmm. um, lexicon in which we explain. And we have enemy art in the enemy art in the lexicon. Mm-hmm. I oh. can read it to you. Oh no, I can't it's read Greek. it. It's in Greek. Can you translate it? I can sort of translate it, yeah. yeah. It's uh, enemy art says that it's um yes. It's personal attack mm-hmm. as a transformative creating force. <laughs> Very nice. Uh it was first used to describe our work uh, the 100 worst Greeks. Mm. And contrary to let's say clean political art or mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, total political mm-hmm, art mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that tries to uh, keep the subjectivity in in uh, sort of like reasonable levels mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. A, in an attempt towards let's say a common good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. enemy art is is clearly personal attack I see so it doesn't pretend it's trying to fix social problems in no, a way no no Wh- while it can it could for example so- sophi- sophical yes uh, is a good example of that of like enemy art of yeah. enemy art because she n- would name her her ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. and shame her ex-boyfriend's mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. uh you know letter that mm-hmm. he sent mm-hmm. her which is something that generally no one would do as a political act because it would seem like too personal to do and something petty. like this and petty but at the same time she gave that letter to lots of different women to interpret it and mm-hmm. so it becomes a kind of emancipation mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. so this is what enemy art is this is uh, this idea i guess it, how can you make pol- political art through personal uh pettiness And uh, my question to you mm-hmm. is, do you think that, uh, would you say that there is some kind of psychoanalytical approach to this concept of pettiness? 
um, could you could you think of how this uh, the, the, this this conscious decision to not only not talk objectively mm-hmm. but to actually talk in a very petty personal way acknowledging ultimately that it is all very subjective and you know you might you you are probably mm-hmm. false in your hatred of someone can yet at the same time have uh transformative creative power i mean i don't know if i can be psychoanalytic about it but i can definitely think of ways that uh, for example fe- the feminist critique has embra- embraced this kind of low kind of feelings how uh feminist critique uh, has embraced for example like all the the things that the male sober uh you know intellectual life has deemed you know unworthy and i think pe- pettiness is definitely one of these things mm-hmm. that kind of are the women's kind of feeling you know um the men can be angry um the women are petty you know this kind of uh, i think it's very gendered and in that sense it is it's kind of interesting and kind of important and politically um charged to embrace this aspect but i'd like to focus also a little bit on the co- on the on the notion of naming um mm. which is something that's a very that particular we, we thing, do yeah. yeah this is something that for example we normally do and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very few people actually do like because it's know, also you know illegal <laughs> it's well i don't know if it's illegal but it's yeah. definitely you know it definitely costs in terms yeah. of career it and, is, and it so is, on it is like really we just did, did a show and we talked about uh, you know one of the two most one of the three four most important uh, uh, you know art institutes uh onassis foundation yeah uh we talked about it in a very kind of you know kind of making fun of it but but using them the name not sort of like you know making um a general comment about institutions exactly and implying you know that they are included but actually you know using particular um and and you know but it's like it's really in in a sense i i understand that this is still considered like a faux pas or like a strange yeah, it's thing yeah considered a faux pas but at the same time we are like it's 2018 you know there is like the anonymous uh, internet uh, comments and all this like i think we are past that point that naming someone is really hurting them in a way in a way like donald trump is a president you know that's the best example like uh, everyone could name him about very specific atrocious acts but um i don't think naming someone has any any more that effect that's why i'm also angry with uh, the people who are upset about the aziz ansari kind of uh, sexual assault story uh-huh that this woman uh, named him as um, a perpetrator of an un- unpleasant sexual experience that um legally would not constitute uh, rape or sexual assault but nevertheless it was an unpleasant experience and everyone was like oh, she named him and she destroyed his career his career without uh, bringing proof of uh, any legal behavior and i'm like is naming that hurtful nowadays like seriously I guess it's I mean maybe maybe they could say that because this this is a particular uh you know a, a case in which um it, it's the one political you know sort of huge issue of mm. of the times so to be uh to kind of be magnetized mm. together with other people who have done more um, mm. you know like worse things let's say mm-hmm. uh that's someone can say wow this is 
strong. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not of that. Uh, no, no. I understand side, the argument. I'm just saying, yeah. I, I just, this argument is more. It's less about the naming. It's more about discrediting the other stories that are more kind of. I don't know. Intense. In, intense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the naming aspect. I don't know. I in, in, in Greece, it's, I, I think in Greece, it's uh, it's it's really super. important in in uh, creative with creative uh, institutions to be able to name. I don't. Because uh, I've, I've, I've heard so many things about how this is not working, that is not working, this kind of attitude is frequent, that kind of attitude does mm. not um, put things forward. But when you actually ask people to make public statements mm. about specific people and specific institutions it's, and act, no one does it. it I hate like the, the, the little, like the village mentality, you know, coming from a small place. This is the... the, the, the pinnacle of the village mentality that we all know so if we slightly imply all of the people in our group will understand what we are talking about mm-hmm. but we can never name it so yeah. it's, a, it's the definition of the village mentality like we all know but we never speak of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is also really um, I- hurtful uh, because it, it, it really doesn't fight the the toxic uh, behaviors and the toxic people absolutely uh, it's just or not even toxic at the end of the day you know it sort of it has become a point where you know to say you know like one artist to yeah. say oh I don't like this artist because they do that and mm. I don't mean they you know they <laughs> sexually abuse people mm. I mean like their work is conservative right you know like this has become a, a kind of a strange thing to do and and you're thinking what the hell has happened here? I mean, in in a sense, this naming process is almost humanist because it opens up the possibility of a dialogue. Mm-hmm. So you name the person, and the person can address Respond, address yeah. the the issue. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a humanist approach. Mm-hmm. So enemy art is humanist. Yes. So if if you don't have any enemies, then it probably means that you, you are, are garbage. Maybe. Let's move into a song.
Moscú está helado. Moscú está helado. Descansan las fresadoras, los puentes vulcanizados, las cintas transportadoras, los ejes y las poleas. Moscú está helado. Moscú está helado. Todo está helado. Moscú está helado. Moscú está helado by Esplendor Geometrico, Spanish band talking about Moscow. As you can see today, we've been very inter-European. You've noticed that this has been running through. To say I like the music today will be a lie. Okay. Another word from E. To say that you have any knowledge of music would also be a lie. Appropriate. Another word, starting with an E. You know what time it is? What time is it? Poetry time. Poetry time. It's poetry time. My favorite time of the week. Is it your favorite time of the week? Well, not really. Not really. It's uh, one of my... The acceptable times of the week. One of the acceptable times of the week. Mm -hmm. And today we have a poet starting with an E. Well, the poet starting <laughs> from an E, I guess. The E poet. The, the E poet. There is and uh, there is a Greek poet that sounds that has a similar name to the poet. <laughs> Very similar. Who well, is suspiciously similar? Suspic who is the suspiciously similar sounding poet? Uh, Odysseus Elitis. Elitis, okay. And it, was that well, his real name? It was not his real name, actually. It was not his real no, name. No, 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 no. Uh, his real name was T.S. Alepudeliot. T.S. Alepudeliot, yes. okay. And he changed it to Odysseus Elitis. Okay, so today's poet, you might have guessed, is T.S. Eliot. Yes. Now... <coughs> Why have you chosen T.S. Eliot, Fivos? It is quite a controversial pick. Is it? I mean, it's quite, I don't know, it's the... It's not at all a controversial choice. In the context of our show, that we're trying to be edgy and interesting. It's quite controversial. It's quite, like, it's the most, uh, I don't know, the most, uh, I don't know, expected choice for a knee poet. Okay. But I like T.S. Eliot, believe it or not. I believe it. 
Um, although I, I struggle with his ancient Greek reference and all this. Um, Obviously, that's kind of trashy. But we yeah. all know that when intellectuals, uh, European intellectuals, mm-hmm. deal with ancient Greek references, it all goes Cringathon, yes. Cringathon, and so um, he was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, we don't identify with everything T.S. Eliot has said or done, but but he's 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 got some good poems. And today, actually, um, you've asked me to read a couple of poems. Yeah, they're like well, all all of them are with. Um, rhymes and stuff so we don't do the more modernist things some of his earliest earlier poems mm-hmm. then um and uh maybe not so uh, not exactly the sort of poems that people would know him for yes exactly okay. i mean they are famous poems but they are like more kind of funny and less wastelandy okay so i'm going to read two poems and they're both animal related well the first is called the hippopotamus mm-hmm The broad-backed hippopotamus rests on his belly in the mud. Although he seems so firm to us, he is merely flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is weak and frail, susceptible to nervous shock, while the true church can never fail, for it is based upon a rock. The hippo's feeble steps may err, encompassing material ends, while the true church need never stir to gather in its dividends. The potamus can never reach the mango on the mango tree, but fruits of pomegranate and peach refresh the church from oversea. All mating time the hippo's voice betrays inflections hoarse and odd, but every week we hear rejoice the church at being one with God. The hippopotamus's day is passed in sleep at night he hunts. God works in a mysterious way. The church can sleep and feed at once. I saw the potamus take wing, ascending from the damp savannas, and choiring angels round him sing the praise of God in loud hosannas. Blood of the Lamb shall wash him clean, and him shall heavenly arms unfold. Among the sands he shall be seen performing on a harp of gold. He shall be washed as white as snow by all the martyred virgin kissed while the true church remains below, wrapped in the old miasmal mist. So tell us a little bit about this poem. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. That there is, yeah. <laughs> like yes. how, half of the lines are about a hippopotamus and the other half is a, are about the church. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> once again, this is uh, another favorite part of the show. The elitist bashing. Elitist bashing. Yes. So Odysseus Elitis for the non-Greeks. He's uh, one of the two Greek Nobelists, one of the two poets uh, from Greece who got a Nobel Prize of Literature and an important architect of uh, modern uh, modern Greek ideology in a sense. Yes. So interestingly, as we said in the previous show, uh, speaking of the Chinese misty poets, Elitis. Uh, is supposedly against, uh, for example, the military dictatorship, but he always u- he uses the same iconography, Orthodox Church, and uh, ancient Greece. So, it, like, it's really striking to read these poems by supposedly the people who um, influenced him. Yeah, and T.S. Eliot is a major influence to Elitist writing, and see that they are a 
much more playful, B, much more amb- ambiguous and ambivalent about tradition. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and after all, that's I would modernism. Say, I would say <laughs> not even ambiguous and ambivalent. I would say that this is straight bashing, basically. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the hippopotamus is not exactly uh, in any kind of uh, universe. Mm. Uh, 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 um, anything that has to do with grace or but actually <laughs> i think i think now that i'm thinking about this uh-huh. a, a making um a modernist project like s- setting up a modernist project let's let's say that elites did that in, in greek poetry and using the orthodox church as a foundational stone it is uh, quite unique in a way i don't know you, you understand my point y- yeah but it's bad unique bad unique <laughs> can i return to ts eliot yes as opposed to ts lepudeliot <laughs> the second poem i'm going to read yes ah. what happened to the second poem it's called the naming of cats ah. the naming of cats is a difficult matter it isn't just one of your holiday games You may think at first I'm as mad as a hatter when I tell you a cat must have three different names. First of all, there's the name that the family use daily, such as Peter, Augustus, Alonzo or James, such as Victor or Jonathan, George or Bill Bailey, all of them sensible everyday names. There are fancier names if you think they sound sweeter. Some of the gentlemen some of the dames, such as Plato, Admetus, Electra, Demeter, but all of them sensible, everyday names. But I tell you, a cat needs a name that's particular, a name that's peculiar and more dignified. Else, how can he keep up his tail perpendicular, or spread out his whiskers, or cherish his pride? Of n- Whoa, this cat is intense. <laughs> Of names of this kind, I can give you a quorum, such as Monkestrup, Quaxo, or Coricopat, such as Bombalurina, or else Jellylorum, names that never belong to more than one cat. But above and beyond, there's still one name left over, and that is the name that you never will guess, the name that no human research can discover, but the cat himself knows and will never confess. When you notice a cat in profound meditation, the reason I tell you is always the same. His mind is engaged in a rapt contemplation of the thought, of the thought, of the thought of his name. His ineffable, effable, effaninefable, deep and inscrutable, singular name. (laughs) So, um... Cats. It actually uh, became later on. (laughs) <laughs> the second song of uh, Cats, the musical. Really? This poem, yeah. Uh, I like this idea of cats having so much... Uh, I don't want to go too much into cats. Yeah. Because it's not the seesaw <laughs> show. It's a knee, so... But I like the idea of cats having so much uh, uh, naming... Um, uh, what's the, the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Agency. <laughs> right. Because it's a bit like the you know meme cultures and kind of what has happened... 
in post-internet world with cats. Cats, cats have become <laughs> really like the thing. Well, I mean, it, it was a thing since the pharaoh times. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. <laughs> the shit. Um, but yeah. T.S. So Eliot. Thank you very much, uh, T.S., for this lovely, lovely, lovely interval of sweetness. Mm -hmm. Let's move into a song. Ella Ice. Is a vowel, a letter in the alphabet. E is a vowel, a letter in the alphabet. E is a vowel, a letter in the alphabet. E is a vowel, a letter in the alphabet. E is a vowel, a 
letter in the alphabet. E is a V, a letter in the alphabet. E is a V, a letter in the alphabet. E is a V, a letter in the alphabet. So, <coughs> first of all, I want to correct something because we are most of all interested in factual truth. Okay. We said that those were from the early period of T.S. Eliot, mm -hmm. but actually the Katz poem, mm -hmm. it's from the late period. It's from a late period. Yeah, it's much, much later. Um, it's fantastic that we, we cannot, I mean, although you made the point about... It's uh, from 39. Yeah, w although you made the point about how it, it's... Uh, that it's interesting that mm. it's a modernist but with a sense of humor and mm. playfulness and so mm. on even making this point us instinctively cannot even believe that someone mm. can actually return to this <laughs> yeah. after having written The Wasteland <laughs> yes 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 it's it's it, it's, it's fascinating the 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 Greek existential v void <laughs> uh, vacuous of any kind of meaning has mm. been tattooed on our brain absolutely uh, you know and we cannot even believe that someone can use uh, humor later in his life <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 true um, what is next what is next Phil the next topic of today's show is Exarchia. You know Exarchia? I, of course, played this music because I thought we would talk about Eurovision. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my uh, collaborator is... <laughs> when he listens to Beethoven, the first thing that comes into his mind is the bohemian anarchist areas of Greece. Like I, the moment Beethoven came, you were sure that we were going to talk about Exarchy. I saw the Molotov cocktails. You saw the Molotov cocktail for the Polytechnic School, eh, the, the smell of tear gas. What about Exarchy? Okay, uh, should we introduce uh, Exarchy to those of our friends who don't know it? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a bohemian mm -hmm. area in central Athens. In central Athens, which has always been, you know, has a lot of squats and mm -hmm. has been like let's traditionally say was the area where students uh, live because there are many universities around that area, mm -hmm. and it's also like a place where like these bohemian intellectuals live. And also a lot, uh, very important for the autonomous anarchist movement. Absolutely. With a lot of uh, rioting, mm. which ha at the moment is not exactly at its best uh, period because, like, they riot every Saturday. So it's a bit of a, you know... Yeah, but it's, it's not like... Of, it's a bit of a cultural... Uh, but it's not like real riots, like... I mean, it's not like a uh, large scale. No, but that's like <coughs> worse. Yeah, they it's the like exarchia. They actually, they actually perform <laughs> riots on Saturday. Yeah. So it's, it's like uh, Pilates. <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> One time a week. I mean, they, for me, they always the most interesting thing when I started having much of a relationship with Athens, which didn't start... Mm -hmm. uh, which is rather recent mm -hmm. um, was the proximity <coughs> between uh, Exarchia which is this an anarchist mm -hmm. mm -hmm. neighborhood and Kolonaki which is the posh 
central Athens old money kind of in a way or old bohemian yeah. money let's say neighborhood yeah. and that they are next to each other like literally next to each other literally next to each other only like a few streets 10 minutes walking or something right uh, or depending on the area even five yeah or depending on the area even one <laughs> because there are there are people who say okay now we've left Exarchia and we've entered Kolonaki and yeah. Kolonaki is at this extremely Re, uh, you know, expensive neighborhood right. with posh cafes and, and uh, organic shops and, and so like on. And jewelry shops and stuff. Yes. And so I always thought, okay, I mean, obviously I know how metropolis is, uh, mm. you know, are formed mm. and in, 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 in weird ways and in London also and in you Berlin there are neighborhoods. Mm. That, but nothing to this extent of kind mm. of next to each other. Mm. Uh, and especially this kind of contradiction of anti-capitalist, uber-capitalist. And also there is a particular, like what is particularly interesting is uh, how it's not in the everyday life of the city. It's not acknowledged, this this paradox. It's not no, conscious no. At, lo- at all. When you told me, like, for example, I was... I was thinking, I was like, he's right. But, like, because I, I used to live in Athens for many years before you came here. Um, and as a student, I used to go to Exarchia every night uh-huh. of my life. Um, I never I never really thought of this proximity, for example. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, because cities obviously are not made from one day to the next. Right. There is much to be told about this proximity. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've had various theories. Tell me, as you know, uh, I so, like your theories. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, one theory I've had is that the families um, that make the population of Exarchia and um, Kolonaki are essentially the same families. Really, it's just that how the let's say if a family has one or some enfant terribles mm-hmm. and then some good kids. The good kids go to one side mm-hmm. and the bad kids go to the other side. <laughs> and so and so it's it's you know we're always really talking primarily about middle a middle class game. Mm-hmm. Um, cuz for example Exarchia does not have the same even if we if you if you look at at, at it now that mm-hmm. there are a lot of migrants and refugees mm-hmm. and so on Exarchia does have some but it's mm-hmm. r- definitely not the migrant most, uh, central yeah. as as Victoria or uh, Kipseli or Patricia or something like this. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's still so uh, quite expensive to rent. Exarchia for is expensive in, in a way expensive, um, despite the fact that the rents in Athens are now after the crisis are quite cheap. Mm-hmm. Exarchia is still like kind of expensive. Yeah, and it was interesting how. You know, the documenta people kind of went to, uh, not to talk about documenta again, but no, they went to Exarchia. Uh, the D word. They will, they will, <laughs> they will uh, you know, live this kind of bohemian myth. And maybe in a way they did. They did. They did, they did, they did. because that's what bohemia, I guess, is. Documenta. Uh, no, but and Exarchia. Saturday riots. Exarchia is, is bohemia because it's, it's this sort of idea that mm. there are money around. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not, you know... Kind of like hypercapitalist kind. Oh no, I don't mean that. It's it's for sure it's not hypercapitalist, but it's definitely not like old poverty. Right. It's definitely not generation to generation poverty. Absolutely not. There is some kind of cultural access to information. Absolutely. Which means that if we look at uh, the you know classes in a not in a pure financial Mm -hmm, sense, mm -hmm. but from the sort of things that we can learn from from a society like the UK. Mm -hmm, mm 
it's exactly this kind of bohemia that that yeah. exarchia falls under. Maybe that's uh, that's the reason, like the proximity to Koloniki that um, is. Like, you know, there is this new metro line uh, that is designed in Athens and mm-hmm. uh, it will connect Exarchia to Kolonaki, one stop, obviously. One stop. <laughs> yes. And uh, I think for many people who love Exarchia and the Exarchia kind of vibe... This will be the, the end, they the think, beginning of the They end. think that this metro line poses an existential threat mm-hmm. to the neighborhood. Absolutely, yeah. And Because it is one stop. <laughs> and, yeah. One stop. And three stops to Psychiko also. Like, um, so it's a very interesting uh, line. Yeah. Mm. Exarchia. The, the, the neighborhood that we learn to love. And now we never go to. We de- now we deconstruct it. Are there are some th- good things in Exarchia. Let's leave Exarchia and move <laughs> to, for a minute, to New York. ESG, Tiny Sticks.
another episode of the ABC of Vita has come to an end. Really? Yeah, time flew today, didn't it? Yeah. Why do you think that was? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe because um, we had a delicious espresso freddo from El Greco Cafe Stores. El Greco, of course, the one of the important Greek painters. We should play some uh, painters in our show. And what is the last word for today? The last word for today is... Exarche. <laughs> well done. Um, um, Eurovision. The Eurovision Song Contest. For our American friends who don't know what Eurovision is, What can you say about Eurovision? What Eurovision is? What is it? What is Eurovision? Tell us. Eurovision. The Eurovision Song Contest. When was it established? Very many years ago. In the 60s. 50s maybe. You know, after the World War II, all the European nations wanted to Hug. European creativity. Da, 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 da. The avant-garde of pop music. But when did it be- when did it become like homosexual? It became homosexual, I think. Uh, um, the After Ireland stopped uh, winning, because there was like a good decade where Ireland was winning every year with Johnny Logan or whatever his name was. After Ireland stopped. Gays began. And then what happened? Then Greece won in 2004. Elena Paparizou. Was it a. You are my number one. Very, very good song. Was it a gay song? One could say. In what way? Elena Paparizou is an LGBT icon. Ireland now has a gay mayor. No, Prime Minister. Prime Minister. And he's quite conservative. Mixed race as well. Mixed, yeah. mixed race, uh, gay, conservative, conservative gay Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Isn't it? And uh, this is like um, a good metaphor yes. for Europe and for um, LGBT rights. Eurovision Song Contest. From camp to fascism. In two stops. <laughs> Eurythmics is a band that we all know. But yes. before they became very poppy, they yes. had a rather experimental record. Did they? Well, rather. The song is called Your Time Will Come and it will be our last song today. Goodbye. Good night. <laughs>